Welcome to Origin Gates daily podcast called Wisdom's Echo. I'm Samantha Mahoney and I'm sharing a thought with you for the day. If you've been listening to the Wisdom's Echo podcast, it's probably likely that you have registered for some of the roundtables run by Ian Clayton, Grant Mahoney and Marius Elinas. One of the roundtables that they ran not too long ago was called Where is the Power? And on this roundtable, they were talking about how there are so many mysteries and secrets and revelation hitting the earth today and people want to go after those things, which is great. But what about the lost? Where is the signs? Where's the wonders? Where's the power on the earth today? Well, we're very good friends with Stevie and Emma McKee and Jane Schroeder, who you will know from Wisdom's Echo, and we decided that since we live in close proximity to them now, they live in Scotland, we live in Ireland, we would put our money where our mouth was. We decided that we would hire a community center, we would pay for it, we would pay for advertising, we would do letter drops in people's letter boxes, advertising a three or a four day event where we would just give God free reign to do what he wanted in this particular community in Scotland. We called it the Miracle and Healing Service. And I was so interested at some of the responses, some of the comments on Stevie's Facebook ads advertising this free event. Some of them said, oh, you guys are just in it to make money. It was a free event. Others said, get a touch from God for five bucks. Others said, how did you manage to book God for this three-day event? He's a very busy guy. And then there was one particular comment that stood out to me and had me pondering about what my response would be. He said, where is God? Why does God allow people to go through such hurtful things in the earth? If I was God, I would make sure that there was no pain in the earth. I would make sure that people weren't suffering. I would do stuff to ease the suffering of the people on the earth. And that one hit me. It struck me because I too have even used those words in my earlier Christian walk with the Lord. I would ask him questions like, Lord, why is is it the innocent that suffer? Why is it the children that get sick with these incurable diseases and go through such pain? Why is it that you could snap your finger and you could change famine and poverty on the earth? You could take away misery and cruelty. Why is it that you don't? So I understand this train of thought, but it also intrigues me how we put God in a box and we say this is how he should move. If he was a good God, this is what he would do. Our perspective is very limited and earthly minded, but I started to get into a little bit of panic, if I can use that word. What would happen if these kinds of people showed up to this meeting that we were going to run in Scotland, what if they weren't there to receive anything but from God, but just to hackle us or just to provoke us? What would our response be? Pondering that has led me to share this with you today. God has given all of us free will. He never usurps it. If you make a choice for him or against him, he doesn't override your decision because you have to live with the choice that you make. He even gave the angelic this free will to choose for themselves. And we even see when Lucifer managed to persuade a third of the angels to turn against God and to usurp his authority. 
we see that he kicks them out of heaven. He doesn't say, oh no, I'm not having that in this place. Uh, get yourselves in order. He doesn't take away their free will so that they act like robots. They have to live by their decisions. He has extended this free will to us also. And again, we will have consequences that we'll have to abide by. God has put laws in place, certain laws. We see them in nature all the time. But I want to share one of them with you. It comes from Galatians 6 verse 7 and it says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Verse 8 says, Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. If there are any farmers, they will tell you the fundamental laws of sowing and reaping. Being, if you take a seed and you put it in the ground, it is going to come up. Some of them have different lifespans or time spans in which they come up. Some come up immediately and some come up over a period of time. But that seed going in the ground normally means that you are going to get a harvest that comes up. Another thing that they will tell you is that it is impossible to put a corn seed in the ground and expect sunflowers to come up or rose bushes or strawberries or whatever it is. Whatever you put in the ground, that is what's going to come up in its due time. So we, when we are sowing to the flesh, we cannot expect anything other than what the word says. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. We cannot expect anything else to come up. If I can just share a story with you to try and give you a perspective of how this actually works. If you're a parent, you're going to get this. You're going to understand it. You may appreciate where I'm going with this. But let's just say you get married not long after you start having your children. You start to train them in the way that you want them to go when they become adults. You start to give them little bits of responsibility. So you'll say to your oldest, you have to unload the dishwasher. And then to your second child, you're going to vacuum. And to all of the children, the rule of this house is before you leave for school in the mornings, you must make your beds. You set certain precedents and protocols in place because number one, you are the parent and you need to teach them responsibility so that when they become adults, they are able to handle it. They are well practiced in discipline and taking responsibility for themselves. So that's good training for them. But also you want your, fa your family to function smoothly. You want to make it easy so that the poor mom is not doing all of the work and cleaning up after the kids every five minutes. It's, it's to make your family cohesive, working together, functioning properly. A functional family unit is what you're trying to create. So let's just say you put all of these rules or laws in place. And by the time your oldest daughter hits 16 years old, she goes, I've had enough of this. I'm not putting up with your control and your manipulation of my life. You're stifling my creativity and my will to choose you treating me like a slave. I don't have to fit into this model. And you go, these are the rules of my house. If you're going to live here, you're going to abide by them. And your 16-year-old says, I know better than you. And she runs away from home. 
as a parent, you are devastated. Your first and foremost thought is for your child and for their safety. You love them. You want to see them succeed. You want only the best for this child. But she has chosen to go her own way. So, of course, being a good parent, you get the police involved. And the police find her after a period of time, bring her home. But she goes, I will not sit under your rules. Her choice then is that she runs away again. And if you live in America, let's just pretend you do. She runs to another state where it, it makes it more difficult for the police to track her down. But being only 15 or 16 years old, she hasn't completed her education. She's too young for a job or she's not qualified for a decent job. And she's living on the streets. She's got to do what she's got to do to survive. So let's pretend she starts to sell her body. And there's mistreatment that comes from all of that. There's something that snaps inside that child. The innocence is lost. It's gone. Then she tries to numb the pain and she gets introduced to the world of drugs. And this is to numb that pain that she is going through. And it just escalates from one bad thing to the next bad thing. And it seems as if all is lost. But one day, the police find her. They phone you and they say, we found your child. You will move heaven and earth to get her back. You will travel to whatever state, whatever distance it is to go and get her. Because she needs to know that you love her. She needs to know that even though she's stuffed up royally, you're still there for her. You still love her. You support her. You do as a parent everything that you can for that child because she's hurting. She's made some choices that have got her into trouble. You then bring her home. She goes through whatever program you can find to help her, um, counseling and rehab and all that kind of stuff. She's in a bad way. She has to walk through a process of rebuilding her life. There's a lot of damage that has been done. But let me ask you this question. Whose fault is it that she's in this bad way? Is it God's fault? Is it her parents' fault? Or is it the girl's rebellion and stubbornness that led her to this point and to this pain in her life? Let's turn away from this story for just a few seconds to go back to our original question. Why does God allow us to go through pain? Why does he allow the innocent to suffer? I think just from the analogy of the daughter who ran away from home, we begin to get an understanding of how our Heavenly Father is always there for us. If we know how to love our children, being earthly beings, how much more does our Father love us? His desire is for us to choose life. I mean, He says, it's not my will that any should perish, but He never usurps your choices or your will. And so I would have to say, that the pickle we find ourselves in as humanity with the pain that we go through has been brought on by our choices. And the law of sowing and reaping says that we reap destruction. We reap death and decay when we sow to the flesh. As to the second part of that question about why do the innocent suffer? Why is it that they're born with certain ailments that seem unfair and unjust to us? Well, let's just go back to our story of the 16-year-old girl who left home. Let's just say that while on the streets doing what she had to do to survive, she picked up 
a disease, let's, let's just say HIV, for instance, or AIDS. When she gets married one day, there is a risk involved that her partner could contract the disease and also that her children could be infected with it. This would seem unjust as they are innocent parties in this whole story. But this is a penalty that the girl has brought into her body that now affects those connected with her. It's not their fault. It's a penalty that has come down through a choice that was made in a different season, in a different time. The word likens this to generational curses. The word talks about how those who serve God and who love him, their generations are blessed to a thousand generation. But those who turn away from God, who serve their idols, who go their own way, who do what is right in their eyes, who reap the consequences of sowing to the flesh, it says that those curses are passed down to the third and the fourth generation. And maybe we can begin to understand now why it would seem that unfair things happen to the innocent. Unfortunately, they bear a consequence of what was done in a previous generation. But we have some good news. The good news is that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. When it comes to children, and I think of my own children, I would do anything to protect them. And this helps me understand just how great that sacrifice was for God to give up his own son. I don't think there's any situation in which I would offer my children as a sacrifice. And yet here God does that because he loves us so much. He saw what was what was coming. None of, none of what goes on in the earth today has taken God by surprise. And that's why he made a plan. Even before the foundation of the world, he gave his son. The word says that the lamb was slain before the foundation of the earth. He already knew what was coming and he already made a plan for it. But here's the thing. The choice is ours. Do you choose him today? Do you choose that sacrifice? Do you know that that blood is the highest trading commodity that there is? It has paid every penalty that you owe. The consequences that you should bear because of what has been done in past generations and that you yourself has done. The blood of Jesus says, I pay this in full and final settlement. But we have to appropriate the blood. We have to turn our faces back to him. We have to receive and accept that loving sacrifice because he is that loving father to us. So these were just some of my thoughts as I was working through those particular questions that came up. And by the way, those meetings in Scotland were epic and awesome. And I have very good news. Nobody died when I prayed for them. If you've listened to any of my previous podcasts, you'll understand the inside joke. You have an awesome day today and I'll see you next time.